0: From the Center for the Study and Teaching of Writing at The Ohio State University, this is Writer's Talk. I'm Brendan Telerik. Coming up in a bit, we talk to novelist Carla Neggers about her latest book, Saints Gate, a murder mystery set in Maine. But first, we talk to singer-songwriter Liz Longley about her musician's tool bag, her recent success, and why she's winning so many songwriting competitions.
1: Singer-songwriter Liz Longley will be in Columbus on Friday, December ninth, at eight p.m. with six string concerts. And more information is available on that at www.writerstalk.org. So welcome, Liz.
2: Hi. Thank you so much for having me, Doug.
1: Well, let's start off and uh, let people know that you are a recent graduate, or fairly recent graduate, of Berkeley College of Music, right?
2: Yes, I graduated in two
1: thousand and ten. Okay. So, well, tell yeah. me. Tell me about attending uh, the Berkeley College of Music. How did it contribute to your songwriting? What did it change about you?
2: Oh, wow. It had a huge um, impact on me. I, uh, I went there because it was the only college that offered songwriting as a major at the time. And I really wanted to um, learn about the craft of songwriting. I had been writing since I was 14. So um, I had been doing it for a while. But what it really gave me was just like a bag of tools to kind of Um, helped me write songs that were accessible for other people. And it really taught me to write um, from a very honest place, Um, whether they intended to teach that or not. um, That's something that I definitely found was important. And it allowed me to then go out and tour and have songs that people related to. And that's kind of been um, the biggest thing that I got from Berkeley, I think.
1: Okay. What are the kinds of things that are in your bag of tools. I'm curious, specifically the kind of things that you carry around in that bag and take mm-hmm. out when you go to write.
2: Um, well, I mean, I never intentionally like, you know, go, okay, I'm going to do use this tool. But um you know, they just come out when, when I need them. I think um, one of the main things is is rhyme scheme and using that to work with the message of the song so for example if it's um an unsettling message then you know we were we were taught to kind of use rhyme like if you don't if you don't rhyme it it's almost more unresolved so you kind of use that to go with the feeling of the song and when you resolve the idea or if the song does resolve um you you can you can use the rhyme to help support that i don't know if that makes sense but that's one of my favorites um and just, you know, tools with form and um, word placement, phrasing. We talked a lot about phrasing. I don't know if you've, you've heard of Pat Pattison, but he wrote an amazing book called Writing Better Lyrics. And um, he's just the genius uh, behind the, the songwriting department in, at Berkeley, and I've really learned a lot from him.
1: Okay. Tell me how that affected, say, When You've Got Trouble.
2: You and I live like the tree and the vine Oh, my darling, oh, so delicately intertwined I'll ease your pain you you've eased mine Oh, my heart, my heart is tangled all around you When you've got trouble, I've got trouble too
1: I think you wrote that when you were Just coming out of Berkeley or was that something you wrote there?
2: I was actually still at Berkeley. Um, That was, you know, when I was in school, I was writing a lot of assignments and, you know, they were challenging us and giving us, um, you know, these songwriting assignments. But that one, I actually came home for break and I just remember sitting in my room and um, that song was more of a, um, it was an expression of something that I was going through. Um, I had a boyfriend who was very depressed and um so the song is called when you've got trouble basically I've got trouble too. Um I don't remember pulling out the tool bag on that one. Mm-hmm. Um but obviously, you know, we we use it so we use the things we've learned at Berkeley so much it just becomes comes a part of our writing. So I don't know if I did. Um actually that's not true. I remember one thing specifically um at the end of the phrases some of the notes are dissonant and um that's some, something that we really talked about at school. Um But that one was kind of a a very easy song to write. It came out pretty fast just because it was something that I was really going through at the time
1: okay it sounds like a little bit of an occupational hazard because you're doing homework during the break you're do, you're working on sort of schoolwork here when everybody else is out having a good time it's a
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: you're sitting in your room writing a song and that that's just like a physicist staying at home working with molecules uh, during <laughs> break but I guess that's uh that's what you do when you're a songwriter
2: yeah I mean that's that is my my good time. That is my party. I mean, there's <laughs> nothing more exciting than 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 sitting down and and walking into a room and not having a song and coming out a few hours later and and having something that means something to you and hopefully means something to someone else.
1: Okay. Now you had a great year in in 2010 yeah. because uh, you placed uh, very highly or won a number of different competitions. The BMI. John Lennon Songwriting Scholarship Competition, the International Acoustic Music Awards Competition, and the Chris Austin Songwriting Contest. What aspects of your songs do you think played so well at these contests? What do you think has been the defining kind of uh, song for you that really helped you in these competitions?
2: Well, you know... um a lot of them were different songs. Um, I, there are two front runners when it comes to um, those competitions, and one is When You've Got Trouble. And the other one is a song that I wrote about my grandmother, and it's called Unraveling. And she lived with my family for several years and, and had Alzheimer's, so the song's about watching her go through that. I think the main thing, at least what is important to me, and I'm assuming is is why these songs are doing well, is because the songs are honest, they're real, they're accessible. Um, and I think people can relate to them. So I think that's what I, I try to remember when I'm writing songs is that it's just, you know, I'm writing songs for not only for my myself to help myself go through these things, but so that other people can jump inside them and they can become their own. So assuming that's why those do well, I don't know.
1: Okay. Well, um, it's uh, just trying to get inside the head of somebody who's won these contests so that maybe I can win a few if I ever start writing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who are your songwriting uh, mentors or models, the people that you'd really like to be able to write like?
2: Um, well, my all-time favorite will always be Joni Mitchell. Um, I grew up listening to her, and her songwriting is just so inspiring to me, and her honesty is what um, that raw emotion is what really draws me in and what you know inspires me to do what I do. So I'd see Joni Mitchell is a huge one. But in, in general, I try to just listen to all types of music just to keep things fresh. I mean, I love all types of music. I could listen to rap. I could listen to bluegrass, country, jazz. I grew up on all that stuff. So I think there's something to learn from from everyone. But I'd say Joni is my number one gal.
1: Okay. Now, I noticed on your website that you've got a picture of a Sirius XM radio coffeehouse channel. The picture of the... Uh, Radio uh, that it's actually playing through because it has your name on it. And uh, they were playing one of your songs, right? Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes. And I I thought that was a very intriguing picture (laughs) because it was clearly a very important moment for you. Your father called you, uh, it says on the website, to let you know that he'd heard your song, your cover of Moondance.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm wondering, what's been your favorite moment or moments in the past year or so in terms of your career? Was it moments like that where you you end up on Sirius XM, or what are the moments that have really stayed with you?
2: Those, I mean, the Sirius XM thing is so incredibly exciting, and that was definitely a huge moment, especially when my dad called me and said that you know, Van, he could hear me singing Van Morrison's song because he raised me on Van Morrison. So it was just kind of a full circle moment. But I think those moments are so special to me, I think because of what happens after all of that. Um, really, what happened is they started playing Moon Dance and then they started playing When You've Got Trouble, which is an original song. So to hear your own song on the radio is incredibly exciting. But the best part is has been the emails that I get from people saying they heard the song and, and uh, just the most... Um, You wouldn't believe the emails that I get about that. I mean, it's just – it has me in tears some days. It just – it's so – it's the best part of of my job, if you want to call it a job. Um, I just get people saying, we heard that song. We were – you know, me and my fiancé were going through a hard time, and now, you know, every time that song comes on, we – you know, we – I don't know. Just, like, all these incredible stories, like, we broke up, and then we heard the song, and we got back together, or – my daughter's going through this or my husband's going through this and my husband's dying of cancer and this is our song or, you know, it's just, um, these incredible stories that people share because they heard the song. And that's the most special thing about, about this.
1: Okay. Well, we will certainly look forward to you being in Columbus on December 9th. Uh, I look
2: forward to it.
1: All right. Well, Liz Longley, thank you very much.
2: Thank you so much, Doug.
0: You're listening to Writer's Talk from the Center for the Study and Teaching of Writing at The Ohio State University. That was singer-songwriter Liz Longley. Next up, we talked to novelist Carla Neggers about her latest, Saints Gate, a thriller set in Maine.
1: Carla Neggers is the author of more than 60 novels with translations in 24 languages. She served as the president of Novelists Incorporated and vice president of International Thriller Writers. She is a founding member of the New England chapter of Romance Writers of America and serves on the advisory board of the University of Washington Professional and Continuing Education Writing Certificate Programs. Carla was awarded an RT Book Reviews Reviewers' Choice Award and three times has been a finalist for a Rita Romance Publishing's Oscar Welcome to Writer's Talk, Carl Neggers.
3: Oh, well, thanks for having me here. Sure.
1: Well, you measured, majored, rather. You could have measured things, too. But <laughs> let's start with a major. You majored in journalism at Boston University mm-hmm. and graduated uh, magna cum laude. Congratulations. A little bit higher than what I did. Uh, um, how has that impacted your creative writing? So how did you go from journalism to creative writing?
3: Well, I've always written. Um, when I was a little kid growing up in western Massachusetts, uh, Six Brothers and Sisters, I used to climb a tree with a pad and pen and sit up on my favorite branch and just spin stories. So I'd always written fiction. Um, and, and it was my dream to be a published writer, but that seemed like an impractical career choice. So, you know, you've got to have a day job. So I decided, um, I actually decided first I would be a musician. Mm -hmm. So I started at Boston University, a practical job, as a... As you went from a big
1: creative writer (laughs) to musician. Yeah, that's what my family is. I was more reliable as a musician. (laughs) Okay.
3: So I started out um, at the College of Fine Arts as a music major, and then, you know, I was always writing, and I, I ended up switching to journalism, and I... Right after college, I did some freelancing just here, there, and everywhere in arts and entertainment, mm-hmm. nat- natural kind of choice. I did some restaurant reviews and other things. So it was a lot of fun, but I kept writing, um, always was writing from that time I was a little kid, a novel on the side. Mm-hmm. And right after my uh, daughter was born, I was a young mother, and I thought, well, you know, submitting a novel to an agent didn't seem quite as scary mm-hmm. and so that's after that's having what,
0: given birth is what yeah, you're saying that, yeah okay. yeah and,
3: and and it was a good time I had been working on it before she was born but you know I was typing we had typewriters. um I was typing and she was on the blotter and then she, she learned to roll over and I put her on the floor and I finished <laughs> I, I finished the book <laughs> you know and then she started getting into things and I got help but um and I sent it off and, and got an agent so then that was a, a while ago on the first book
1: or, or the first book that you decided to submit? Yes. Not the first that you had written.
3: Right. But, and I, I submitted to one agent. I got that agent. One book, one agent. Oh, those were the days. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So what? What did you said? Did I hear you right that you even as a child were writing novels? You didn't do short stories. You had long arcs in mind when you started writing.
3: That's right. I've written very few short stories. Um, I've written a couple more recently, mm-hmm. but back when I was a kid, well, in high school, I wrote the dreary story, short story. You know, the <laughs> what guy. Do you, what do you mean, the dreary? Story. It was really dreary. It's the, the only. Genre, huh? Well, I thought, you know, short story. It's you know. So I wrote about a guy, you know, uh, solitary confinement. And I don't know. He ends up beating his head against the wall or something. And I said, this is not fun. So I was always drawn, <laughs> on my own, to write in something that was a little more fun. You know. So mm-hmm. so I write. So you, you went to murder mysteries, uh,
1: yeah.
3: and that was more fun. That's what. That's right. Okay. That was more fun than the guy beating his head against the wall because they got a um, a touch of romance in them, and and there's. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's a salute, they're solution oriented books, and, okay. and I just I just love, you know, just love writing.
1: That can- so it wasn't a rejection of journalism, it was an embrace of something else. That's right. Okay. I just wanted to make that clear to the journalists <laughs> that are watching. <laughs> now this. it's a
3: great degree to have because you really focus. I learned so much in journalism about craft. I had some very, very good professors. What did you learn um, specifically? Well, Strunk and White, Elements okay. of Style. That is still, you know, still you can still fall back on that and then. Okay. You know, it, it was, um, so that was one, and then the discipline, and I learned um, from a particular professor I had, my focus was magazine journalism, and there was a professor who was very good at teaching a process for revising, which I find today when I teach writing classes um, every now and then, um, is something that people, new writers always want to know, well, how do I revise? You know, I've got this thing, and how, how do I know? What do I do with it? And so that Okay. So what's your general helped.
1: advice when they say that? I mean, without getting into the specifics mm-hmm. of, of the routine, do you say you just take it a small piece at a time You or plot out a large structure when you revise? What's your advice on that?
3: Um, basically is to get some distance, but not too much distance, and to give you a sense, read the whole thing start to finish. and. And just mark or note or somewhere the things that you really like, and maybe one or two things that you don 't like, but really get a sense of what your strengths are and what the strengths of the story are, and then go back in and get into the detail work. but I think to get a, a big you know the overall sense of the of the story mm-hmm. um, is is really helpful and you, then you understand the pacing and what's going on with the story itself. You know, that, that's, that's my approach anyway.
1: When you're doing that, when you're revising your work, what are your strengths that you say, okay, I think I'm really good at X and you're, you're happy with that? Because my follow-up will be, what is it that you always notice that you want to change?
3: Okay. Okay. Um, well, and I hear from readers that this is a strength, and it's something that no I No fair. You've got just, to rely on your I, own revision uh, method. Well, I've always loved the sense, creating a sense of place okay. in the books, and that's important to me as a writer when I'm writing, and and then and dialogue. I would say those are those are two things. Okay.
1: What do you typically find yourself having to revise? Then, what are the things you you know that you're going to have to come back to?
3: It's um, it's making sure what's in my head is on the page. Sometimes, and that's that's why you get a little bit of distance from it because you come back, or or if you have an editor, or some a reader, or somebody will come back and say, you know what, I didn't get this, and so sometimes um, I'll I'll go back and I'll I'll layer in um, something, um, okay. description or texture. Okay,
1: your new book, Saints Gate, Saints Gate, which is obviously not easy to say, <laughs> features a recurring character or a person, uh, a character who will be recurring, mm-hmm. Emma Sharp, a former nun who is now an FBI expert in art crimes. Um, your intent is to create a new series out of this, and you've got, I think, at least five other series, something along those lines, mm-hmm. right? Um, so what draws you... To back to the same character. I mean, when do you think? Okay, um, this I'm going to invest in enough to to want to come back to, or I feel myself drawn back to this character. And it could be since the second one isn't written, and I don't know what it is, but the the, the Colin could also be the one of the other characters could be uh, a recurring character, which is not to give away anything in the
3: story either. <laughs> no, it's um, it's actually called the Sharp and Donovan okay. series, and we have Emma Sharp and Colin Donovan. And what's different about this series from the other series I've done is it is. The return recurring characters as opposed to a, um, a place a world where each story is kind of standalone I mean even though the stories will stand alone the characters recur and and I have like a different um, a different couple you may have recurring characters within the story mm-hmm. but that focuses on a, a new couple who somebody may be not in the previous book so this is the first time where I'm really specifically um, uh, working on Continuing characters, and it's a lot of fun. I'm writing the second book now. It's called Heron's Cove. It'll be out um, in 2012, and and it's really interesting because I, for me as a writer, to explore and um, on two characters, you know, Emma mm-hmm. Sharp and Colin Doven, both FBI agents. Um, they grew up not far from each other in the southern coast of Maine, but um, in different worlds, uh, mm-hmm. and they're very different people. And we'll see what happens with yeah. with their work. Well,
1: it's also. You know, you're moving from, you're you're sort of, to me, straddling some genres. It's called a novel of suspense, but it's also, you've got a a romance writer background and there's romance in the book. Um, That also always, with my experience with romances, there's sort of this, okay, so now, you know, there's this, are they going to get together? Are they not going together? Sam and Diane off of Cheers kind of thing, to make Uh a very old reference here. (laughs) But when you pick up the next thing, uh, the next book, um, you don't get to have that playfulness you have to then say, okay, now these characters are going to have romance in some other way. Mm-hmm. Um, and is that going to be a challenge? Do you uh, think? Or it's not yet? Been?
3: Well, it, it works naturally with Saints Gate, with where Saints Gate leaves off, mm-hmm. with the characters. And and that, um, that story is very intense because we have Emma Sharp coming to this convent, and there's a, a nun who's murdered, and a mysterious painting that disappears, and Emma is is associated with the convent as that mm-hmm. was her convent as a novice, and and so there's a lot of issues there. And then the story takes place over over not giving anything away here over a relatively short period of time. Mm-hmm. And the way and then Colin Donovan is um, an undercover agent, and and he has all his issues because he's just come <laughs> come come in from an undercover thing and he's he's. Just, of Emma and so you put all that together and there's a lot put so the next book then kind of picks up from that and it's it's actually um it's a lot of fun it's working out well and and you know who knows down the how the series will develop mm-hmm. um you know it it can take many different routes okay. uh, but if you have i think if you have two really interesting characters at the core of it then you can bring in i mean if you want a, a romance with their like he's got he's got brothers come on
1: mm-hmm. give them okay a- okay so there's a Let's see
3: what happens with Mike Donovan.
1: <laughs> okay. Now you've mentioned research as an important part of your writing, and, and some of the things that I've read that you've written. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've written about your family having a history with art, um, that you were all interested in art, and you had a, a, an uncle who was, uh, I think, an art dealer and um, captured by Nazis, mm-hmm. something along these lines. What kind of research did you have to do with, for Saint's Gates? Saint's Gate? You've got to find a new title, because <laughs> I cannot pronounce it. Saints Gate, which features Emma Sharp, the art expert. I mean, how far afield do you have to go to say, all right, if, if there's going to be a painting that maybe has been painted by uh, a famous uh, painter, how much do I have to know about that painter in order to pull mm-hmm. this book off? How much did you have to know?
3: Um, well, I learned a lot more than is actually in the book, and I think that that always helps. Again, like, my Back to my journalism background, they said sometimes you can tell the quality of a story by what you leave out as much as what you put in because mm-hmm. you you, you want to know a lot um, and I have an interest in art my College of Fine Arts at Boston University, so my roommates um, were all artists my daughter 's godmother's an artist, one of my best friends so'm um, surrounded by art and then I had this uncle who was actually he was a, a painter, an amateur mm-hmm. painter and i you know um, so i 've always liked art, but then there 's the Developing the, the body of knowledge, and so for Saints Gates it's see easy, how I said easy that for you to say <laughs> I, um, um, I talked to a friend of mine who is an expert in um, saints and saint art. And I think
1: I thought you were going to say gates just <laughs> for a minute <laughs> but, okay go
3: ahead. so she she kind of helped point me in the right direction, just sitting there I mean just just like this over. Yeah, she lives in New York. So over dinner in New York, we're talking, and she says, oh, "Okay, this is," and she kind of helped narrow the field and and recommended some books and and then going to museums and talking and to other people. So that's for me is where it where it starts, and um and I just dove in and. Okay.
1: It Did was you great. Have to do the same? I didn't notice in the acknowledgments you saying the same things about. Uh, nuns that seemed to be from books or did you go talk to people like in uh to who were actively nuns so i was curious I, about that
3: um i did talk um again a, a friend who um knows a, several nuns from different different convents and that was very helpful mm-hmm. in in talking with her so you know it's always good to have friends who know stuff <laughs>
1: <laughs> i was you know i i was surprised by it because i th- i didn't think at the beginning about the work that goes on at a nunnery or uh, a convent and to say, okay, part of this could be uh, a convent based on art restoration um, had never occurred to me. I guess I hadn't really thought about what was done there, uh, but that sort of took me by surprise. Are there things that are that, there are specifically convents like that that are work on art restoration? Is that or is that something you created for the book?
3: Um, I created it for the book, but there are definitely um, convents who work on different things. I wouldn't be surprised. I know there are maybe a you know, monks who do some art restoration. Mm-hmm. Um, but this specifically was was something I created. Mm-hmm. And in doing the research, you know, I knew nuns growing up, but... Um,
1: you splinched but, when you said that. That yeah. was really
3: interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were great. Some, not all of them. No, they were great. Yep. Um, but just doing, learning more about that aspect of convents um, and how they're self-supporting uh, was fascinating. And, and some of the ones I read about were you know, did completely different things. I mean, I knew a little bit about it. Just from more from the the monks, you know the Trappist jams or something, but mm-hmm. um, but i and that 's one of the fun things for me about writing is learning um, something new or taking something you know this much about and adding more and I, and there 's way, way, way more that I can learn right. about
1: but it seems very, really unfair because you had to. Uh, go to Ireland, do uh, research there. uh, uh, There's a lot about Irish whiskeys that you apparently uh, did research on for the book.
3: I had my my Irish whiskey tasting. I got little glasses all over the bar and Mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, But, you know, just a little sip. Um, And there is
1: no bracken distillery. No,
3: there isn't. But that um, features
1: in the book. That does.
3: does. But I did learn um, a lot about Irish whiskey. I have a friend who's a barman in Ireland, and he helped (laughs) me. And he's... He's really not um, very knowledgeable about Irish whiskey, and answered all those questions. Again, it's it's a great way to, um, as a writer, to learn things and get pointed in the right direction mm-hmm. is to talk to somebody and people who are very generous with their expertise. Um, so it was it was nice. And writing things gave more torture. Was um, I spent three weeks on my own writing in a little Irish cottage, hmm. and that was uh, fascinating.
1: Well, tell me about then, is that part of your the usual way that you write? You say, I'm going to sequester myself for three weeks and write, or do you have a writing process that's more I get up at 5 a.m. every day and write for three hours and then do whatever I want? What's so, the process for you?
3: It's more the latter, but I'm not a regimented writer. I'm very disciplined, but I, I'm not one who has that, you know, I write for four hours and I write 10 pages and then, you know, I'm, I don't write like that. It's more like at the beginning of the book, I have um, a more fits and starts kind of sessions where um, a lot of the book gets written while I'm, Hiking the Irish Hills, for example. So, mm-hmm. um, so the the three week retreat was actually the first time I'd ever done something like that and uh, sequestered myself. And it was a it was a lot of fun. There was moments because you know I'm off in Ireland. My family's in Vermont, and I was thinking, you know, what if the planes don't fly anymore? I mean, I did have that little moment, but mostly,
1: <laughs> mostly it's just like was, <laughs> ever you're, you're sitting there sequestered, think they, they yeah. may never fly yeah, again. The yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I said, well, well, you know, I might have to row my way <laughs> to see. Whereas if I were in California, I could at least walk across. The continent. It's one of those things. Again, the whiskey research. (laughs) I guess
1: so. It's just the idea that I'm going to walk from California back because there may no longer, when I'm done with this book, be cars.
3: Right. Right. Okay. Okay.
1: Totally makes sense. Okay. All right. You've said, um, quote, on a trip to the Netherlands some years ago, we did a tour of of a canal-like waterway. I kept thinking, what would happen if a dead body floated by? (laughs) What if it were an American? That's the way my mind works. Everyone around me. Everyone else is admiring the quaint countryside. I it was devising a murder. Yeah. So I guess that goes sort of together with maybe there will be you no know, planes when I'm done with Saints Gate. Yeah. Um, why? Tell me more about that. Uh, do you surprise the people around you with this is how my mind works? Look, what a lovely picture. There could be somebody dead in it.
3: So No, I did keep my, I kept my mouth shut about the little dead body, but we were, we, just picture this, you're in, you're in Holland, and I'm, my father was Dutch, so I'm going with my cousins, and they take us on this fabulous canal tour in Den Bosch, where my father had been a little boy, and it was really great, but it's all in Dutch. So, I speak, you know, I can understand a little bit of Dutch, but they're, and um, what else do you think about you know, can't if uh, no,
1: yeah, I would think. What am I having for lunch? You know, what? Where is my <laughs> backpack? Uh, but not necessarily. Yeah, where, well, where is you it? know,
3: I don't. I don't do well. Well, being bored, I guess. Um, and and I think I take me back to the. You know, the tree, climbing up in the tree and spinning stories. It was just a sense of it. I've always loved a sense of adventure, action, having fun. So I would all, always spinning stories, yeah. Okay. It's fun, but I, I'm not, like, crazy.
1: And <laughs> <laughs> in, in, in no way am I suggesting that moves away. Um, y- well, to follow up on that thread just a little bit, your Facebook, not the crazy thread, but you're interested <laughs> in, in action and adventure. Your Facebook page lists these favorite TV shows, Justified, mm. Blue Bloods, mm. Hawaii Five-O. NCIS, Los Angeles, NCIS, the regular one, um, and Burn Notice. Now, one might think that you had a rather singular interest <laughs> in television crime and police procedurals, but, um, but romance is part of the background, and as we've talked about, this is sort of a, it's a genre straddling in a little bit. There's romance in it, but nothing at all from television for you. You only want people being well, shot. Well, uh, we've got
3: Fiona in Burn Notice.
1: Right, which is an odd romance, though, at it best. because so, she know, shoots well, you
3: know? Right. But, um, I think she I, punches I, him every now and then <laughs> doesn't. She? Yeah, I mean, I'm she's not, knocked him out, I yeah, think. Yeah, Emma know. Sharp is a very strong character. Um, but I also have my Jane Austen movies that I Go put ahead. on, So, and I can watch those. Um, I have Sense and Sensibility. The scenery is so fantastic. and So I'll, I'll watch those and while I'm, while I'm writing okay. sometimes. So I, I have them, but it tends less to be... TV shows. That is, maybe I have to amend my faith, Geo. but those are the shows I like. Yeah. They really are.
1: I want to thank you very much, Carla Neggers, for being here today on Writer's Talk.
3: Well, thank you. This was a lot of fun. Good.
1: And from the Center for the Study and Teaching of Writing at The Ohio State University, this is Doug Dangler. Keep writing.
0: You've been listening to Writer's Talk from the Center for the Study and Teaching of Writing at The Ohio State University. Special thanks to our guests, Liz Longley and Carla Neggers. For more information about either of our guests, visit us at writerstalk.org. And until next time, this is Brendan Telerik saying, keep writing.